Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, Pete and Davey, yes, the goalie master, welcome in Waiver Wire James. All you need to know coming out of the All-Star break, injury updates, and of course, DFS plays and best bets. The wait is over. Welcome back, everybody. Jensen and Satriano in the house talking fantasy hockey on this Monday morning after the All-Star break. Davey, we were both in St. Louis. You were there for fun. I was there for work, but it was a blast overall, for sure. It was great. We got to we got to hang out. We got to see the game. We got to meet mascots. We had so much fun there. It's great, but now we're back. Davey, I know uh, you were ready and raring to go in St. Louis. What was your uh, favorite part of the weekend in old St. Louis? My favorite part, I'm 35 years old. Uh, my favorite part was meeting all the mascots, trying to find <laughs> them all. I mean, that was great. And the mascot game was great. And how many times did you go to Fanfare, Davey? I went three times. Three uh, times, right? Is that crazy? It is. And now they did a nice job with Fanfare. If you're a big hockey fan and you've never been to All-Star Weekend... You have to check it, it out. It's a bucket list thing. You should go check it out. Fanfare, uh, they did a great job with it, as they always do. But the setup this year, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a great job out of everyone uh, you know, coordinating the event. And, uh, of course, the natives of St. Louis, it was a great job. Yeah, I mean, you you hear a lot about St. Louis. You know that they lost the Rams and stuff. But to me, this is like, especially after being there, it's one of the most passionate sports cities out there. And it was so great to see like all the storylines. Like I couldn't believe it. Like between the alumni that were there, between Gretzky and Hull and Oshie being back there and the Kachuk brothers being from there and then four blues on the team. I mean, there were endless storylines for, for us all weekend. Now, I'm surprised the best moment for Davey wasn't Bennington winning the the goalie challenge and the skills i mean that's your guy right i mean you're the goalie master that's not your best part of the weekend huh i've always been a jake allen supporter but but i was talking to pete before the event i said vasilevsky's gonna win this (laughs) thing he made nine straight saves and he only loses to Bennington because of the justin bieber incident where hurdle puts on a mask can't see gets a shot and then he easy save for Bennington. hey everything's turning up aces for Bennington, and it's it's uh just a story sort of start to someone's career and god bless him yeah for sure i was actually shout out to him i posted on instagram how much i loved the weekend and i tagged him in a picture of himself wearing the chief's jersey and he liked it so that was pretty cool jordan oh, very nice he's a legend man very, very nice. he's that like in his nice. second year and that he's is a nice and pd was out there getting all the sound from the players media day uh you know i'll leave it up to pd to, to tell us you know what was the one thing that one of these players said that you know is fantasy relevant and, and caught your eye or caught your attention I'll tell you one thing that stood out to me. Max Pacioretty told me that he always wants to play with Paul Stasny. He has not always played with Paul Stasny over the past year, but we have seen glimpses of it, right? He was money with those two, with Stasny and Stone in the playoffs last year. They were all leading the first round in scoring. And then since the coaching change, it's been back-to-back multi-point games for Stasny playing on a line with Pacioretty. So that's really significant to know that he wants to play with them all the time. But he was pretty much saying he gets bounced around the lineup because he's their most versatile player, which makes a lot of sense too. So I watched a lot of this media day coverage. Bob, as you said, Pete was there. He got all the, he talked to all these players, all the fantasy stuff. It's great. I mean, you asked uh, Seth Jones, right, about the goalies. You talked to Jari, you talked to Bertuzzi about Hironic. This is great. He's got all the answers right here. He was all over it. And my favorite part of that was Tyler Sagan. <laughs> 
<laughs> on my guy, Gorianov, who has caught my eye, and I mentioned it a couple shows ago. Sagan saying that Gorianov is going to be a stud player. He was great in the first half. He's going to come on in the second half. Keep an eye out for him late in the second half or in the playoffs of being a guy that the Dallas Stars uh, can count on to deliver heading into the playoffs and in the playoffs. Yeah, he said something like he's got that confidence. He's got that <laughs> swag. He said you could just throw the puck wide to him and let him do his thing, which is <laughs> shows that he has the creativity which and when he's in a top six role, which he currently is. So that's significant if you're looking for a second-half sleeper out there. Speaking of the All-Star game, you know, I know we also talked about Thomas Hurdle, who had four goals. I think he should have got five goals. Should have been the MVP. But just seeing him and the Sharks, where they are in the standings, I'm, I'm sensing from them and the guys that they're going to actually have a run here. So I'm looking at the Sharks, mm-hmm. whether it's Arundel and Nett or one of the fours, Couture comes back. Like I think some of these guys might be worth picking up personally. And they, and they could make a trade too for a goaltender that remains to be seen, but Dell's been pretty good for now. But yeah, I agree. I think there's some nice bounce back appeal from Hurdle. Whether it was Pasternak or Hurdle, both Czech players <laughs> scored like five or six goals each and both made a really good case to be the MVP of that All-Star game. So let's spin it forward and look at the second half of the season. We're bringing in our buddy James Harding, top 10 waiver wire piece on NHL.com. How's it going, James? Fresh off the all-star break yeah it was uh it was an exciting all-star break for sure and uh i understand that uh you have somebody special on uh t- today so we can talk about some uh some goalie stuff finally uh and 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 maybe talk about uh some some surprise players in net for the second half of the season that's right, James. We got the goalie master in the house talking about the goaltending for the rest of the season. But I wanted to get to uh, which goalie has impressed you the most in terms of a guy you've picked up the, off the waiver wire that everybody's picked up and has truly delivered over the first half. I mean, I think that there are a number of different players that you can kind of take a look at here this season. You know, Tristan Jari has been absolutely fantastic for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's starting to come down to earth a little bit right now. Matt Murray's starting to play better, so it looks like that tandem could be favoring Murray a little bit more. Alexander Georgiev has been pretty solid all season for the Rangers, but again, they have the three-headed goaltending monster right now. But um, I'm looking at our man Elvis out in in Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, Elvis Merz-Lincolns. Um, he's just been absolutely outstanding since taking over from Eunice Corpusalo when Corpusalo went down with his injury. Five wins in his past uh, five starts, six, seven, I think seven wins in his last eight. It's <laughs> just absolutely incredible Nuts. to see where he came from at the beginning of the season to where he is now. A 239 goals against, a 926 save percentage on the year, uh, nine wins. You know, this is a team that we thought could be uh, a little bit of a sleeper team with a with some decent upside for a lot of players, and and he has really just come out of nowhere and become one of the most impactful goaltenders, not just in fantasy but in the NHL over the last month. So James, goalie master here. We all know I love <laughs> Elvis. I've loved Elvis since the preseason. But my question to you is: Are we a little worried that you know Corpusal is going to be back soon? And let's not forget, this guy was an All Star. He was selected for the All Star game. Like, what's mm-hmm. going to happen when he gets back? Is Elvis going to still be uh, fantasy relevant? You think? I, I definitely think that when you look at the the season that Corpusalo has had so far, uh, you know, we we knew that he was going to see the bulk of the starts at the beginning of the year taking over for Sergei Bobrovsky and he's performed admirably uh, 249 goals against a 913 save percentage 
17 wins on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he, he definitely has, I think, a lot of value. It's one of those where I think that you want to try and lock down both of them if you can and, and get the handcuff of the tandem. But I think that they're both going to have standalone value after Corpusalo returns. But I would definitely say that Elvis has the higher upside going forward down the end of the season and then in seasons you know, to come. But I, I definitely think that Corpusalo has standalone value for the rest of the season as long as they get a pretty even split. I love Elvis. I think he's been a great story. That said, I think there's a really nice window here to sell high on him, especially with Corpusalo coming back in the next week or so maybe. And uh, yeah, to me, if you could fetch like a Bobrovsky in return for Elvis, I would do it every single time. I might even think about it for like a Grubauer, but I know that's a lot more shaky right now. Another guy on Columbus, James, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand has really burst onto the scene over the past couple of games since returning from his injury back-to-back two-goal games, I believe, and multi-point games in five of his past six games played. He had missed time because of injury, but what are your thoughts on Bjorkstrand? Is he one of the best like second-half sleeper breakout players you see? Uh, he's definitely up there, yeah. Back-to-back two-goal games, uh, nine shots on goal in that span, one blocked shot. Um, he's one of those guys who you kind of always are waiting to see if he's going to finally have that breakout year. He had 40 points two years ago in 82 games, 36 points last year in 77 games. He's missed a number of games so far this season with injury, but he has 27 points in 38 games. So you have to think that if he's able to play another you know, 30 to 35 games here this season, um, he's certainly going to be a lock to break the 40-point mark, and I wouldn't even be surprised, depending on who he uh, continues to play with in that lineup, if he's able to hit even the 45- or 50-point or mark if he has a huge second half. He's skating on that first line with Dubois and uh, Foligno out there right now. They have been known to kind of shuffle that lineup a little bit, so it's possible he could find himself back with a guy like Boone Jenner, who he's had good chemistry with in the past, maybe even find himself on a line with either Cam Atkinson or Gustav Nyquist in that lineup. But um, where he is right now, I would absolutely be looking at him as one of those guys who could be a second-half breakout player. Um, And he's widely available in a lot of leagues. He's under 40% owned uh, in most fantasy leagues out there right now. Looking forward to the second half, we're you know, a month from the trade deadline. I like to look mm-hmm. at guys, not that who might be traded, but who might remain on their team and have relevance. Like I was looking at Connor Brown on Ottawa, the guy has three goals in three games. Like We know they're going to tear up their team. So to me, he's a guy that I would say, if you can get him now, you can. Are there, is there anyone else that you can see maybe like on a non-playoff team that, hey, they might not get moved, but if other players do, you know, this is a guy to, to pick up? I would probably look to a lot of guys uh, who are in the middle six in Detroit out there, um, maybe a guy like Andreas uh, Afanasiu. I think he could be a target to get moved at the deadline. Um, and, and so if a guy like that gets moved, it kind of opens up some more opportunities in a, in a lineup where you know that they're young and they're looking to give guys fresh opportunities. You know, he gets moved out. All of a sudden, maybe a guy like uh, Philip Zadina, uh, gets it gets you know back in and, and a more expanded role out there in Detroit, um, and even if you have a guy like Athanasiu and he gets traded to a contender, or a guy from uh, Ottawa like maybe an Anthony Duclair or a Pajot, um, you know guys like that who get 
might get traded and opens up uh, roster spots for for some other players. But I think it's kind of on that you have to wait till we get closer to the deadline just to see you know really who the sellers become because there are a lot of teams that are in the mix right now. Um, and so you're not sure who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller. Another team to look at would be like the New York Rangers, a guy like Chris Kreider, whether or not he gets moved at the deadline, or if the Rangers think that they can make a run, you might be able to buy low on him and get him, uh, and, and he makes a, a run with the Rangers and plays well in the second half, or gets traded to a contender, maybe somebody like the Bruins, and he makes a, a second-half fantasy run with them. So you know, there are definitely some players like that um, who, who are kind of uh, on the cusp of being traded, but you're not sure if their team is actually going to move them. Two guys that come to mind for me on that topic, like Nico Heischer looked really good in the All-Star game. He's obviously playing top-line heavy role whenever he's healthy for the Devils and has been productive the past couple of months. And also Philip Hronik. I got to talk to Tyler Bertuzzi over the weekend. I asked him if Hronik could be a second-half sleeper, and he went ahead and said that he's one of the best young defensemen in the league, something that I agree with because I'm a big fan of the player. But what do you think about those two players, Heischer and Hronik, and which one would you be more likely to pick up right now for the rest of the season? Um, I would probably be more likely to pick up Heischer just because I think the, the production is going to be more consistent for him. When you look at Ronick, he went into the All-Star break uh, with pointless in his last four games. Um, you know, he has shown flashes of production for sure. Uh, nine goals on the season right now, 17 assists, 99 shots on goal. He has minus 25, but you know you can't really look at plus-minus when you're talking about the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but I definitely would say that he sure probably has more upside for the rest of the season, especially if he's going to see consistently that top-line minutes with uh, Jack Hughes not really playing the way I think a lot of uh, a lot of us expected him to be playing this season. Um, and obviously, he sure seeing the power play exposure playing with guys like Kyle Palmieri in that lineup who are you know, established veteran goal scorers. Uh, I just would trust Heischer more. Okay, so James, going back to goalies real quick, we talked about Columbus and Pittsburgh, but those are guys that like probably aren't available on your waiver wire. Who's a guy that you would say, if I need goalie help and I'm not going to trade, that should be available on my waiver wire? I'm looking at Brian Elliott right now from the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he's won his last three starts. Um, in fact, uh, he had a shutout in his final game before the All-Star break against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he allowed one goal to the Los Angeles Kings the Saturday before that. So, you know, I, I think that where he is right now and the fact that there's a little uncertainty about when Carter Hart will be returning, um, the Flyers are going to be leaning on Brian Elliott a lot going forward, and especially if they're a little concerned even after Hart comes back whether or not he's going to be able to handle the full workload down the season. I think that right now Elliott has high standalone value, and then after Hart comes back, he definitely will be one of those players you want to target as a as a handcuff to have on, on your team because I think down the stretch of the season, he's going to be a very valuable asset to have uh, as a standalone option in that. And when you look at some of his upcoming games, he's playing the Pittsburgh Penguins again in his next game. They play the Avalanche, which is a tricky game, but then after that, he has two very favorable matchups against the Detroit Red Wings and the New Jersey Devils. So um, if there's a guy who's you know pretty widely available 
in in Brian Elliott that I'm looking at for that specific need. Hey, James, before we get to Pete's next question, I'm going to tee Davey up on that. Davey, who is your goalie that you're looking at if you're in desperate need of goalie help and those guys that we spoke about earlier are not available? James says, Brian Elliott, who does the goalie master? (laughs) The goalie master, you know, I was looking at this. At first, I wasn't on board with the Blackwood train because he's on the Devils, but the guy, he's been playing really well, and I would say... He's up there in the leaders in goals, you know, for rookies, right behind Samsonov, who's not available. Blackwood, I like. I think he's out there. You know, he's not going to have a shutouts, but he's definitely capable of getting the wins. Um, mm-hmm. And besides that, I was looking at, you know, Avalanche, for some reason, people are just split on their goalies. Like, uh, I saw Grubauer was, was uh, Frank Sue, sorry, was, like, dropped in some leagues. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy's going to play. Like, he's yeah. in a number a number one team in the west like he's gonna play so i would definitely grab him if he's out there which he is on some of my leagues for some reason yeah i mentioned grubauer earlier as a buy low candidate but like he's been playing a lot more than Francois, and and he hasn't been playing well at all and Francois has much better numbers so uh, very little separation between that starting job for sure james one last question from me Justin Williams, big topic of conversation after signing with the Hurricanes, coming back. He's an older guy. He had a big performance right before the All-Star break with two goals and was playing on power play one. Do you trust this player, and do you have any interest in picking him up for the rest of the season? I I do trust Justin Williams. I just don't know if I have any interest in picking him up right now. I think I need to see him uh, skate a little bit more in that lineup and and, see really what he has. Is his first two games back? He hadn't played all season, so he's going to be, uh, you know, fully rested and and really, you know, looked spry. But he did play less than 14 minutes in in both of those games. Um, the two goal game that he had, he played less than 12 minutes. So, you know, they're definitely limiting um, his his exposure right now. So I, I definitely have to see where he's going to slot in and and how much ice time he's going to see. He's somebody who I would be willing to put on uh, my watch list and and be tracking. I'm not running to the waiver wire to pick him up right now, though. But he definitely has. We know what kind of player Justin Williams is. We know what he can do for that locker room and that lineup. So I like him, but I'm not running to pick him up just yet. I need to see a little bit more. Fair enough, James. Thanks so much for coming on the program. And uh, everybody can follow James on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey and uh, thanks again, man. Thanks, James. All right, guys. Yeah, I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. So, Davey, what do you think about what James said about Justin Williams and his fantasy value for the rest of the season? And actually, we have a fan question. Uh, who would you rather drop for Justin Williams, Frank Vitrano, who's hot for the Panthers, or Zach Hyman, who plays with the big dogs in Toronto? Well, I agree with James that I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Williams, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a couple games. He's not the youngest guy, but he could be valuable. And if I were going to drop one of those guys for him, Frank Fratrano, he did have the hat trick with the Panthers the other day, but you got to mm-hmm. keep Zach Hyman, right? He plays on – he doesn't matter who he plays with. He plays – I mean, Florida's scoring the most goals in the league, but Zach Hyman, to me, I picked him up, and he's been very valuable. Vetrano, he's up and down, so I would drop Vetrano for Williams if I were to do either. I'm going to throw you a curveball on the Hurricanes because we haven't really had a chance to talk about Dougie Hamilton going down. And mm-hmm. really, what are the Hurricanes going to do? They have some depth on the blue line. <laughs> But what do you do if you're a Dougie Hamilton owner? And then also just what does Don Waddell do, you know, to shore up that defense? I mean, you would imagine he's going to add a player 
but who's really available that can make a difference? I'm not sure. It's a tough spot for the Hurricanes. Dougie Hamilton, you can't replace him, really. Yeah, if he's out for a long time, which he could be, what is it, like broken uh, broken bone? It's, it's He could be out for a while. So uh, I don't know that Jake Gardner is the answer. I don't really have any interest in picking him up. If Slavin's out there in a shallow league, he's on power play one right now with their best players like Svechnikov and Tara Vinen and Williams, like we said, and Sebastian Ajo. So that's a really good spot for Williams. That's the intrigue there. I almost don't care if Williams is playing in the top six if he's on that power play one. I would take that aspect over a top six role, say with exposure to Jordan Stahl. I mean, I'd rather him be on PP1. Well, to answer your question, Bob, I, I don't know what they do, but you're right. They need a defenseman. Gardner was brought in here. He's like the seventh guy. They've had, I think, seven or eight guys who've played. Th- I think seven guys have played 30 games, so they spread it around. But this team is not going to go far unless they get a, another solid defenseman, offensively and defensively. So I don't know what Waddell does, but they got enough forwards. The goalie 10 has been good. You got to shore up the D. I actually had a bright idea just come to mind. So they do have a lot of forwards. They have a surplus, you could say. And one team that needs a forward is the Buffalo Sabres, and they have a surplus <laughs> of defensemen. So maybe they make a trade. If if Hamilton is out long term, which it seems like he's going to be, I could see maybe Ristolainen going to Carolina in exchange for one of their good young forwards. It's just a, it's just an idea, but it would make a lot of sense, I think. I love it. It's that time of year, trade deadline. Armchair GM. Right around the corner, GM Petey, GM Davey, <laughs> you know, we're trying to figure it out, all the puzzle pieces. It's always, uh, it's funny, it's right out of All-Star break, you know. All-Star is a nice little celebration, and then boom, we got six games tonight, and then before you know a trade deadline, and teams and GMs have to make tough decisions and, and try to get into position here heading into the playoffs. And we also get injury news now that teams are practicing again. And a big injury nugget, Jeff Skinner has missed the past 10 games with upper body injury. He could come back as early as Tuesday for the Sabres. So if the Sabres get Skinner back and then maybe a a week from now get uh, Olofsson back in a week or two and then maybe swing a trade to get a spark, they're not that far out of it. I know the East is really competitive. They got all those teams, Philly, Carolina, Columbus, within a point or two of each other for the last spot. Buffalo's about 10 points out, but still within striking distance. They've survived the absence of guys like Skinner and Olofsson. So you look, I think they're 10 points back, and you say that's 10 points. It's hard to overcome, but Mm -hmm. I think they have like 9 of 10 right out of the break at home. They play really well at home. They're not great on the road, so this is their chance now. If you can rip off 7 or 8 on this homestand, you said you're right back in this. You get Skinner back. You get Olofsson back. Like... They're right in this, so yeah, I agree. We just named like three or four things suggesting that the Buffalo Sabres might be a team to watch here over the next couple of weeks. Good nugget there on the schedule from Davey. Uh, speaking of the schedule, we got the strength of schedule update uh, from the NHL stats crew. We appreciate it from them. Uh, Colorado, Boston, Washington, Tampa Bay, and Calgary have the most favorable schedules. So maybe a chance to tap into uh, Sam Girard or a uh, uh, Burakovsky or uh, you know Donskoy, you know when those guys are healthy, they're <clears throat> pretty dangerous and potent. I think. Yeah, I think also Ryan Graves still he's been like was he leading the league oh, in definitely. plus minus plus thirty three or something? He chips in offensively too, so he's a guy that I'd say not only for DFS but regular leagues he covers a lot of those categories. And people will probably sell high on him because mm-hmm. he was a nobody entering the season, but. 
when you look at the fact that he's you're not going to be able to pick up graves i feel like because he leads the league in plus minus but uh, maybe a trade target uh for a decent price most difficult schedule man when it rains or pours uh <laughs> the detroit red wings have uh, the toughest schedule and the worst record worst goal differential everything across the board but um I still think that team, if and when they get Mantha back, could be a little sneaky. But for now, it's limited to Bertuzzi, uh, Zadina, maybe Hronik if you need a defenseman. It's to the point with the, the Red Wings where it's it's almost sad. I mean, they they have really struggled. I mean, it is a real struggle for that team. I have confidence in Iserman, and there's some players on the team, some young mm-hmm. players, but... I mean, they're getting blown out of the water almost every night. It's it's tough. It is. And uh, another team with a tough schedule, Carolina, which is also like it rains, it pours. With Hamilton out, it's not going to get any easier for them. Second most difficult schedule. And then interesting schedule note on Nashville, who a lot of people think could maybe bounce back with their new coach, John Hines. Uh, they have the most games remaining in the league, but they have the third most difficult schedule. So that kind of becomes a wash, I think. I mean, they play in the Central Division, so they're going to have to play the Blues, the Stars, like those teams three or four more times. So that's never easy. Mike Johnson was co-hosting Puck Culture with Jackie Redman uh, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we asked him for his second-half bold prediction. He is a big believer in the Nashville Predators, the games in hand, the opportunity in front of them. He thinks that they've completely underachieved, which he's right, and expects them to play very well second half of the season. So... I'm not sure where I land on that because, you know, boy, they've been very inconsistent. But the games in hand, you know, you have to win those games in hand, of course. But they have an opportunity with those games in hand to to win those and away they go. There are three teams in the West that have underachieved that are in grave danger of missing the playoffs. Chicago, San Jose, and Nashville. Who do you guys like the most out of those three? I would probably lean San Jose. But I also like the Blackhawks. They only play one game this week, but they have like the young studs that could really make a difference down the stretch. Like second half sleepers, Kirby Doc, rookie, Adam Boquist, power play one, rookie. Uh, you know, obviously Kubalik has been a stud, one of the breakout players of the season. Well, I had Chicago and San Jose, each of them in the playoffs. But Chicago, they've been turning it on before the break here. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. They got the they got the talent. I think if any of those teams are going to make it, I like Chicago. San Jose, it'd be nice to see them back in because I don't know if you guys know this. I covered the Sharks last year during the playoffs. <laughs> oh I remember. Nice, I remember. nice to go out there again. <laughs> Here we go. Probably not, but I think Chicago, the way they're playing, to just if if they can if they can sure up the defense a little bit, we know they can score. Or they might be able to slip in a wild card spot there. I'm worried about Chicago. They just let up so many shots, and the That's defense true. is shaky. Yeah, it is. They they I fall mean, behind like three nothing in some games yeah. just by default, and then they're like <laughs> relying on their hey, power plays to get back in the game, you, and they're you, dangerous. You, but you know, I listen. I, I I think we took the over on the Blackhawks season point total. Mm-hmm. I'm rooting for the Blackhawks for sure. I'm just. I'm shaky there. I'm going to go with Mike Johnson, and I'm going to say the Predators. And I I have to believe that this team, I mean, they are a lot better on paper than what they have showed. And John Hines, maybe get them on. They have to get better goaltending, which I think they will. The game's in hand. I mean, I'll go with the Predators, but you know what? I don't feel good about any of those teams. They all may may miss the playoffs. Well, I look at it as I look at it as I think if there was one team I'd say that all star this break was good for, I think it's Nashville. They just got a reset. Expectations are high. Like you said, the goalies, they're not going to have save percentages under 900 goals against. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen the rest of the way. So I agree that this I think this break was Nashville is going to come out roaring here. 
And one other thing about Chicago, like Kane is on a, a tear all season. <laughs> Taves is playing his best hockey in years. And even Gustafson, I think, as a defenseman, has three straight multi-point games going into the All-Star break. So if the young guys get going and they have a good goalie tandem, so those are things to look at uh, when seeing if a team is coming together at the right time, I think. All right, fellas, big board time. Six games, DFS, locks. What are we looking at? Some injury news for some of these games. We're talking about Nashville. They're in action tonight. Petey, what do, what do we got? What's up your sleeve? Well, I think uh, this Capitals-Habs game is interesting because the Capitals on paper are favorites, but they had three guys go to the All-Star game, Carlson, Holpe, and Oshie, and Ovechkin is suspended for this game because he skipped the All-Star game. So that means I think the Habs have some nice appeal here. And between Kovalchuk and Joel Armia coming back, I like the Habs in this game. I, I know James in our DFS picks picked Carey Price for this game for similar reasons. I just think like fantasy or gambling, like there's some uh, appeal here for Montreal. Montreal was my lock of the night and still is. Pete, we didn't talk about this before. I think Montreal's going to win. I just I agree with all those reasons you said, but also just so the listeners out there know, Richard Panic is going to be playing on the top line Ovechkin spot. He's thirty three hundred dollars tonight. Thirty three hundred dollars. You have to throw him in there just because. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I looked at that game just now, and what Pete just said and what Davey just said. I love the Canadians in that game. I will take the Canadians. Everyone on Washington. In fact, the Canadians opened as minus 145 favorites. Now Washington minus 130 without Ovechkin playing. Montreal at home. Oh, boy. God, I love Montreal in that spot. Hope he's supposed to start. He just played in the All-Star game, too. I mean, this he is... gives up a lot of goals this year. I mean, if it was Samsonov, maybe I would have changed my course a little bit. But, yeah, it's Holpe. Uh, Kovalchuk, I talked to Shea Weber about him, and he was saying kind of like, you know, you hear the perception about the guy. You've played against him, but you've never been in the same locker room. But he said he has nothing but good things to say, and he's actually making a difference for yeah. good reasons in the locker room. So Kobe's motivated. He's like point per game since signing with Montreal. So you could go back to the well with him in DFS, I think. So we talked a lot about the Predators earlier, playing the Leafs tonight, Pete. We had some injury news. Muzzin's supposed to be back. What are your thoughts there? What's What do you think is going to – I think the Predators are going to win personally, but obviously a big boost if you have Muzzin back. And Matthews is going to play. He skipped the All-Star game because of injury, but I think he's good to go. So I think the Maple Leafs can win this game. I think they have more offensive firepower without any doubt than Nashville. And Muzzin coming back just – helps Freddie Anderson. I mean, Freddie Anderson has been so far out to dry. He's a good goaltender, and he has looked really bad at points over the past month. Many points, I should say. So I think Muzzin coming back is a big boost. I talked to Anderson about Rasmus Sandin, and he was saying, yeah, it's a nice opportunity, but our defense, our team is uh, hinges on players like Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin. So the surprise to see Muzzin back, really good news for the Leafs. Yeah, obviously, when you can add a player like that, it does help. I think Nylander today would, you know, he was, I think he's like 6,400. I was looking at the lineup, nice. even though I think the Preds win, I would take the over in that game. So okay. I'm thinking it's going to be a high-scoring affair. And then what about this? Saint? I was looking like from a schedule standpoint, a traveling standpoint, the St. Louis Blues, after hosting the All-Star game and having an emotional weekend, they had four players in there, and the Vancouver Canucks had three players. They are both going back to Vancouver in the Pacific Northwest to play a game on Monday night. So uh, is that game going to be a free-for-all or something? What do you think in terms of like high-event hockey and risk-taking? 
Well, first of all, I'd like to say, Nico and Brian, guys, for setting that schedule up. I'm sure the Blues and Canucks are going to be real proud of you. Uh, I think, yes, it's going to be very high scoring because you got to figure Bennington and uh, Markstrom, who each were in the game, are going to play. But I think you're going to see a, a little sloppy early on. But then, yeah, it could be a, we could have like a seven to five shootout. I mean, wow. the total is set at five and a half, so yeah, I, I, I would take the I would take the over in that game. It's a good point. And yes, that is a. That's a tough goal for both those teams to be flying out to Vancouver and then on the Monday. Wow. So, yeah, they're, uh, I'll tell you, tough, I'll tell man. you, Nico and Brian are probably getting calls from the GM saying, hey, what the <laughs> heck is, what the heck is this? Yeah, they're, they're probably pretty tired this morning, especially with that time difference. It's a two hour time difference from St. Louis. So, a lot to digest and a lot to figure out in a very little time with those guys rejoining their teams. Game of the night for sure is Tampa Bay Dallas. I mean, two cup contenders. Those are the two teams I picked at the beginning of the year to make the final. Same. I know you picked them as well, but we had flip flop winners. So, um, what do you think about what you've seen from these two teams and how they match up on paper right now at this point in the season? I think they actually match up pretty well. I know Tampa was on the huge run where they were scoring a lot and haven't been allowing goals, but this Dallas mm -hmm. team is kind of the same way. Bishop's like up there in the leaders for goalies. They're scoring a lot. So I think this could actually be a pretty low-scoring game, but I like Dallas. I like Klingberg tonight. I like Bishop. I think Dallas gets it done. This is a Bobby watch game through and through. This, mm -hmm. is, a, this is a good game. I'll be into this game. If I had to take a, a team... I think I would take Dallas at home. I, I think would too. I, I think I'd have to go that way. But that's that's a that's a quality game right out of the uh, the All Star break. Yeah, and in addition to what Sagan said about Kuryanov, he was talking about Rick Bonus, and he said that he didn't really change much of the system at all. Which and he said those guys like like they don't care about their offensive totals. He said that outright. Like they just want to win games. They want to play winning hockey. And that's what they're able to do within that structure. So in terms of keeping it low scoring and giving yourself a chance against a team like Tampa Bay that's winning almost every game the past month, seriously, uh, I think it gives Dallas a really good shot against them. I'm into Tampa Bay. I think Patrick mm -hmm. Sharp was on NHL at the rink with the boys from uh, St. Louis. And he nice. said this team is going to make a big, big push in the second half. They're going to be ready to go in the playoffs. They're playing the brand of hockey that they need to play. They seem like they've sort of turned it around and ready to go. DFS plays real quick, lineups, uh, and then we'll put a bow on it unless there's anything else. I think Tomas Hurdle, build your, build your lineup around him. They're favorites against the Ducks, but coming off the break, you look at like the Ducks didn't have a representative for what it's worth in the All-Star game, and Hurdle could not have done any better on and off the ice. So I think he's going to try to take charge. Like Davey mentioned, I'd build my lineup around Tomas Hurdle, Ilya Kovalchuk, or Joel Armia. Get him in your lineup. They're both playing in the top six. They both can score goals for the Montreal Canadiens against the Washington Capitals, who are without Ovechkin. Um, I would draft Jake Muzzin. I think he gets involved on defense and also offensively against Nashville. I expect Toronto to win that game. And then my goaltender, I think just spend up for Ben Bishop. I know Tampa Bay is loaded, but it's just one of those nights where I think you have to spend up for the best goalie in the league, which is Ben Bishop right now, in a chance to win a home game where he's very, very good. So I mentioned for a wing earlier, I had Nylander. I also really like Nico Heischer. You know, he flew in from St. Louis yesterday, went right to practice, Devils <laughs> practice. He practiced with them. So but that shows you really it's all commitment. you need. Four points in the game. That shows you all you need to. The Devils are clearly going nowhere this season, but he still has that fire. I like Heischer, Nylander. I think Klingberg tonight, I said, for Dallas. For goalies, I, I, I wasn't sure. I, I like... 
Blackwood because he's super cheap and playing Ottawa. But my other option was Carey Price because I do think mm-hmm. Montreal wins. But Blackwood might be safer because they're playing Ottawa and you could use the funds elsewhere. He's going to be low ownership for sure, Blackwood. And I'll say Montreal is my lock of the night. That's the only the game that I'm really focused on. That's my pick. And I do like that over in the Vancouver game for reasons uh, we noted earlier. Good stuff. So, yeah, everybody uh, coming off the long weekend, set your lineups. Don't forget on this Monday morning, check out uh, all our coverage. We got the strength of schedule, like I mentioned. We got the all-star break stuff. We got a, I posted a bunch of videos so you could actually see what these guys were saying and uh, what was going on. And a really memorable weekend, Davey. It was good to be there with you. I had a lot of fun with both of you guys seeing you there. You know, I woke up today, and I didn't think there were any games on the schedule. I thought there was an extra day off, so I'm loving it, ready to go. We got six games tonight. Let's right back into it. Sounds good, and we'll be back again later in the week. So for Bender, Satriano, Pete Jensen saying so long, and thanks for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice.